It is getting cold outside in the northern half of the U.S., so we're going to dip our toes back into the all-too-familiar freezing cold water of Sable Ranch one more time to put a bow on the Sunday of Holy Moly for 2021 on the podcast. I'm Mr. T, but you know me better as Tom. I was a season one Holy Moly competitor that has loved the game for a long time. And through my experience on the show and meeting my co-host and others, I joined the world of competitive mini golf a little over a year ago. Find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the pink putter at a couple of putts.com and on social media at couple putts. And I'm Pat, co-founder of the mini golf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. For the past 20 years, my friend Mandy and I have been covering the world of fun and competitive mini golf. More germane to our episode today, I was also a season one competitor where I fell in love with big windmills, falling on my ass, and being distracted. And of course, got to meet my co-host in person for the first time, along with a lot of other wonderful mini golfers. In our episode today, we're going to take one last parting look at Holy Moly season three, as 2021 starts to slip towards the end of the calendar. It was almost six months ago that we started our third trip around the links in the U.S. We're probably six months or so from season four. If you haven't subscribed to us by now, you should, so that you'll be prepared for all of our takes on the next season. You also get wonderful coverage of many mini golf events between now and then, including some we'll cover in the upcoming news section. But before we look forward or back, why don't you line up a putt for us and give us a five-star rating? It'll make us feel a whole lot better in the morning. And now on to news. So the first of the two items I'm going to cover in news today is just a reminder about our upcoming International Mini Golf Summit. That's going to be held the week of April 20th down in Dripping Springs, Texas, with the tournament actually on April 22nd and 23rd. We're aiming for an end of January registration launch, so we'll probably have a few episodes of the podcast between now and then. And and I won't say you'll get tired of hearing us talk about it because I think it's going to be a really exciting event, but you're definitely going to hear us talk about it on every single episode we have between now and the actual summit. So mark it on your calendars. Keep a lookout for all the social medias, including the putting penguin, couple of putts, O Street mini golf, and of course, puttcast. And we will encourage everybody to come out and have a good time. Speaking of a good time, we both came across an interesting article a little while ago, more mini golf in the media. And word on the street is that Warner Brothers through HBO Max has picked up a film by and with Ashton Kutcher around Masters of Mini Golf. And it sounds like they've got a little scheme about trying to hustle professional mini golf only to find out putter's going to putt against them. So it's an interesting premise. I think something that kind of lines up with what we've actually seen in real life sometimes with people thinking that they can get the drop on professional mini golfers just because they're good at golf. So I think, you know, Mr. Kutcher's pretty good at what he does. Got to cook some good comedy chops, so hoping it films well and no word yet on what the release date is is and everything, but I'm sure we will have a recap as soon as it hits the airways. All right, with the news in the bag, since it's been a hot minute or really a few months since Holy Moly was had its final broadcast for the season, here's just a few reminders on how the whole season worked. So each com- episode had eight competitors who ended up going head-to-head in a bracket one-hole tournament where every match was held on a different hole. The score for each hole was a combination of the putts taken and then any penalty and strokes 
incurred from the obstacles. Each episode winner took home a gold putter, the green plaid jacket, and a chance at the super final for $250,000. That super final was a round of holes from earlier in the season, each having three of the finalist competitors playing on it. Those three winners ended up playing a modified version of the fishing hole in the semifinal to eliminate the lowest score, and then we had two finalists compete on the Frankenstein of a hole called Parfish Dutch and ended up with Rachel Lynch, our winner and previous podcast guest, winning on the very last shot to become the overall season three winner. And is from the state of Minnesota. <laughs> That's right, you betcha. We have in the state of Minnesota this season's Holy Moly winner. And Rachel was an amazing guest on our podcast episode a little bit back. So you should check it out if you haven't already. But for now, I'm going to jump into season three by the numbers. And I kind of did each episode by the numbers and got kind of nerdy and looked back at all the holes. And here's some of what you saw this season. There were 10 episodes, including the finale. The first episode was June 17th. The final episode, September 23rd, three months. Wow. For only 10 episodes, that's pretty wild. Throughout the entire season, there were 15 holes, if we're including the finale hole, Par Fish Dutch, which was a Frankenstein hole. As far as the holes being used, there were King Parther, hole number two, Double Dutch and Fuego and Fishing Hole were the holes that were used the most, and they were each used six times. And then on the low end, Parfish Dutch was only used once, and the Distractor, which has been on every season, was only used twice. Other than that, the rest of the holes were used about four or five times each. One thing that I didn't really love was that we had seen all of the new holes and all of the holes that we would see this season, except for Parfish Dutch and the Distractor, by episode number four. And as far as the obstacles being completed, they were around 25% or less. People are not really getting through them. A few of them, they couldn't get through at all. Agony of Defeat, Putasaurus, probably forgetting one other. But there's not really an obstacle that you can complete. Of those that you can complete, people really struggled on Turfing USA and King Parther. But I will say with King Parther, those that got by, we had talked about it many times, they were sitting front ways on the horse, not side saddle. And as we've mentioned throughout the season, there were two holes that were not finished at all. Both Donut Hole and Holy Matrimony never were finished. And here's a little nerdy note. This was the very first season of any Holy Moly in the US or Australia that did not have slip and putt, which means Dutch Courage, which has been called Double Dutch Courage and Double Dutch and Fuego, is the only hole that's been on every season of Holy Moly. It's the logo. Duh. And it seems fitting. Let's say pour one out for slip and putt, a hole that we've both played. But we still got Dutch Courage. <laughs> we still have Dutch Courage. And fittingly enough, it was the only hole that was aced this season. Episode winner Jack aced that one, I think, around episode seven or eight. We had a couple of close calls, including ones on Parkade, which would have been really weird given it was coming out of pipe. But the history of Holy Moly, we haven't seen a lot of hole-in-ones. that We showed zero on all of season one. We had about two or three in the U.S. season two. And we only had a handful of hole-in-ones in Australia. And a bunch of them were on foul play. But we had a couple others like on Frank and Putt as well. Those are the numbers. Let's get down to brass tacks. And we're going to start off with what we think really worked. And I'm going to jump right into the holes that I think really worked. I really loved 
parkade visually and how it played and just watching the ball wasn't perfect for the ball because a little bit random, but it was great. I like the scale of Puttasaurus, even if I didn't really love the race and Parfish Dutch as a finale hole, I have to say really was satisfying. So those are the three holes I think that really worked for me. Pat, what did you really like for the holes this season? Yeah, I liked all of those. So I tried to take a look at some of the the other ones as well that I enjoyed. I, I liked Cornhole. I know it was a derivative hole of like hole number two in terms of you had to putt past something and got blown into a pit, but I like that. The pit was foam and not water, so it's a little bit nicer on the contestants. I think just the the airbag quality of the, the corn coming off was very visually fun. And I like the fact that they actually incorporated a cornhole board at the end as well as part of the hole. So you had like the slanting up to it. So, you know, it took a couple different pieces of kind of the cornhole and put it together. And I just like how they constructed that. And I think it made for a good hole. And I mean, and it made for a really good putting challenge. Because if, if you remember in the finale, we had three people facing off on that. And Ben, who got down there with a shot on the first one, any other hole, if it's flat, and you're about four feet away, it's over. But because people had to go up that, there was a lot more drama, and I really like that, and Dutch Courage also has that too. Yeah, which Dutch Courage was one of my other, I mean, again, it's it's the logo, and you know, this year they just simply went, well, what can we do? Or, well, let's just set it on fire, and you really can't argue with that. You couldn't argue with setting stuff on fire last season with Dragon's Breath, and I'm not going to argue with setting the windmills on fire. So I'm really just excited to see what they're going to do for season four, because we are already hit the fire stage. And then I actually like Fishing Hole, again, derivative of what we've seen with putter ducky in the past but i actually like that they went all out and got a sponsor and i it's probably one of the weirdest sponsors because i've never heard of a fishing sponsor before in my (laughs) life but like it just fit kind of the strangeness and and over the topness of what holy moly is and they're like yeah we're gonna have the sponsor hole so it'd be interesting to see how they do that again of course we saw some of that in the australian season kind of already with some of the sponsorships so um but i also like the way it played and i like how they kept mm-hmm. changing it you know for the final as, as mm-hmm. the semi-final you know, they, they changed it up a little bit and then obviously they put it into the the parfish dutch par- part of it so it was it just fit there um very well and i would agree with putasaurus the the scale of that i actually liked kind of the side-by-side aspects of that that's one of the mm-hmm. few holes where we have you know the, the both competitors like slip and putt going at the same time and i really like the holes like that versus the the one at a time aspect of a lot of the other holes yeah I, I feel that. And kind of talking about that, I really like that there are less aggressive slash violent holes this season. Even Ho Ho Hole, which is a version of Volcano, felt far, far less violent than it did in the past. And the reason we say this is like, we know contestants and competitors that had some like physical ailments from playing some of these holes and the fact that in Australia that they had people in helmets and mouth guards was sort of acknowledging that people are going to get hurt we already know the completion rate for these is really really low and if you're going to do that at least soften it up and as Pat said earlier, the soft blocks that we saw on the pecker, that we saw on cornhole, that we saw on donut hole, falling in that on TV and getting stuck in there in the case of one contestant on donut hole is funny on its own. We don't need to hurt people. It's 
I don't know. There's there's enough shows where we hurt people <laughs> right now. Yeah, and I think it's nice from a competitor standpoint. Like you can't, you're not going to totally get away from the water because there's an aspect of that that's really fun. But like we've talked about it a million times. You're you're filming in the middle of the night in March in the hills, and like water is just hypothermia waiting to happen. So the fact that they kind of dialed that back on a lot of holes where they could have just put the water back in there, I think is just a nice mix for the competitors. Speaking of mixing with the competitors, I like that they gave Riggle, I think, even more room to interact uh, this year. And I know some of it was probably because we're filling some of the space that may have been left by like having real audiences with COVID and everything. But we've talked about it on several episodes Holy moly isn't holy moly without Regal and Tess and giving them a little bit more space to do their bits, some kind of pre-film stuff that they're involved in, like the, the scene in the parking lot with the monster truck was just hilarious and like kind of not quite out of left field because it fit with everything else that we did. But we hadn't seen a lot of that in previous episodes. So I, I like that they allowed that to happen more, you know, where we still were within the constraints of an hour episode as well, as opposed to something like Australia where we went to an hour and a half and it didn't feel forced at all. And the thing that they keep getting right for my money and well, for their money is the holes, the sets and the visuals every year when they start to like sneak preview this season, just get me so excited. There is nothing out there in the world like this in mini golf. The size and the scale of these structures, the uniqueness of these holes will never stop being exciting for me. It was the thing that just gave me like a huge boost of energy the first night I was out on set. And it always works. Everything pretty much to a T looked great this season. And I hope they keep spending the money and keep doing the show because it's it's fun to watch and look at. Yeah, and they just keep it so well tied to just all the traditional mini golf themes. You know, this year adding the dinosaur with Putasaurus. I mean, that was one of the ones that's kind of the big theme that was missing from some of the earlier seasons that we already had so much other covered. But I also like that they've worked in other ways that kind of tie to the sports world at large. And I'm assuming it was intentional with agony of defeat, like being tied back to the old ABC wild world of sports. And that like person getting wiped out on the ski hill was part of that opening reel that I saw every time when I was a kid watching the wild world of sports and yeah, the jackets and everything. So I I like that they've been able to keep that going through the seasons along with this, you know, like you said, the, the huge magnificent sets that they're putting together. All right. So that's what we thought worked. Now we get to go on to maybe what didn't work so much. So again, starting with the holes that didn't really tickle our fancy at the end of the day. And we probably um, touched upon these a little bit on the various episodes and a little bit on this episode as well. But for me, I I had three like donut hole. I love the premise. I just loved, I, I almost wish that it was Simpsons themed given the world of ABC, Disney, Fox, mm-hmm. and maybe they'll get there eventually, but it looked good, but just didn't play well. And just the mm-hmm. fact that nobody got past the first donut was kind of, eh. um, King Parthers, you know, we talked about, it just, they couldn't get their act together and how they were going to run that obstacle. And it was just so clear. Um, but so I think there was slight improvements and that I think could be a really good obstacle at the end of the day. And then the last one, I love the scale of it. I love the design they put into it, but holy moly, not holy moly, holy matrimony was just 
it was one thing too far. Like, I think you could have taken the cake out of there and actually had a pretty solid hole. Not that anybody mm. made it into the ring. Well, one person did, but realistically, <laughs> I don't know how many people were getting into the ring anyways, but like you didn't need the cake there afterwards. No. And it, I think that would have been a good hole. And I, th- I thought the putting part of it was pretty good the way they had it set up. But as it was, it was a great set piece that just didn't deliver from gameplay. I really didn't love Agony of Defeat. I know people really didn't like diving range from the previous year, but I thought that Gutenberg and Greg Luganis on a mini golf show and having seen some of that filmed in person, it worked. It worked. Maybe because I'm a child of the 80s. I don't know, but that worked. But with Agony of Defeat, I thought the obstacle just kind of fell flat. The putting was okay, but I, I just generally thought that that one could have been better. The Alpenhorns are kind of funny, but not like anything that put it over the top. And then my other one, and I know Pat probably doesn't love to see this. We only used the distractor twice this year. And I really didn't love the two distractions they used. I'm not really sure why they only used it twice this year and they kind of dialed it back. It seemed like everybody was at a distance. You have people in a costume and then you have someone with a chainsaw doing carving. It just didn't work for me. And if I'm being honest, I feel like they need to spice this one up or add something to the interactive part of it for this to be really interesting. Like when Pat was on it, it sucked they had a putt on a carpet, but I like that as an intriguing kind of like, oh, this is like a surprise versus something's going to come out. It's going to be loud. It's going to be annoying. It's going to be kitschy. I'm not sure what they can do new, but they need to do something new to make it more interesting for my money. Yeah, I think it's a hole that just suffers from you actually need to see it more often for it to be interesting. Yeah. And where you only throw it a couple times in there, it's like, eh, okay. I agree that the distractions were not the best thing that they had going, especially since we came off the Australian season that had really strong distractions the whole way Mm -hmm. through, for the most part, um, kind of failed here. We talked a little bit already about the length of the season and the scheduling of it. I know there's stuff that's out of their control. I mean, certainly you had the Olympics this year that were you know moved from where it was normally supposed to be. And I think they got pushed by the NBA draft one of the nights. So, I mean, a little bit of stuff outside of their control, but it does just make it difficult to hang on to the momentum that a show like this needs when you have those breaks in there. And it, this really, maybe not the the binge style of the Australian season where they're doing it three nights a week, but you really do want to have every week. And I, I think about this because right now I'm watching the great British, British breaking show. And it's just like every week I got a new episode and that's one where I want to know the competitors. I know them. And it's just, when you're done, you're done. So, um, you know, maybe if this moves to Netflix at some point, or I guess it would be Disney plus, but well, who knows? Cause it's on Hulu freaking television is strange, but whatever they do for season four, hopefully it's a little bit better than what they did for this year. And one thing that kind of bugged me this season and is a weird thing, cause I'm usually not as fussy about it, but debris in the field of play was really strange. When you're talking about single hole tournaments, ho, 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 had debris like fake snow that there were, it was very clear. It was like screwing up people's putts. And it was the same thing on the distractor where the guy was doing the chainsaw art. There was like clippings or whatever you call the wood chips in the way of putting. Like to me, when the stage is that big 
And these people are sitting around waiting, 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 waiting hours to putt. And I have to step up to that. There's something a little bit cruel that I don't like about that. And if you haven't caught already, I'm not a really big fan of where this show goes cruel. I like the cartoonish aspect of this world that they're creating with Riggle acting like a clown, with a whole bunch of interesting and unique personalities, both on the course and off the course. TV doesn't need any more like cruel characters. Hell, the world doesn't need any more cruel characters. We have more than enough of them. Let's just make this a little bit more fun and let's not be cruel to the players and put stuff in the way that you don't, that will like actually impact how they put in a real way. Yeah, I would agree. It doesn't serve the show at all because no. it just seems, you know, frankly lazy as a way to like yep. make it harder. And there's already enough going on that they just don't need to do it. I think even, and I don't think this was consistent during the, the season either, but didn't one of the episodes, like hole number two had some stuff on it as well, like coming out of the porta potty. Cause I, I think we mentioned that. So like, yeah, just weird stuff all around the last part that didn't thrill me as much this season and i think there may be extenuating circumstances that kind of led to this mostly covid and who and how they were able to cast but this season of the three so far four if you include australia seemed to focus the least on the mini golfing aspects of the contestants there was a lot of golfers and stuff, but I mean, honestly, how hard is it for anybody to get a picture of themselves on a mini golf course, you know, especially once you get selected and they, they just really didn't play up anything from the mini golf side. And I just, I didn't like that as much. It's a mini golf show. It's not a golf show. I mean, it's fine if you bring these in cause golfers obviously want this challenge and all sorts of people do, but like, let's give some of that focus again on the mini golf. And I don't know what it is, but what didn't work is it felt like something was missing. I don't know if it's because we've seen a ton of Holy Moly and we've recapped a ton of episodes and the way that we watch it is a little weird, probably compared to everybody else, but the show is missing something. And the ratings kind of reflect it. They've been seeing a steady decline in ratings. The Australian season had really awful ratings. And I'm not sure what it is. I personally think that there's enough stuff that they film with the competitors that using some more of that on social media, maybe speeding up the play at the end if people are missing and showing things all the way through to show that people finished versus making it seem like it's this world where people are making all twos and threes. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. It visually looks great, but there's something that's disconnecting with everything. I try to make like a list of my favorite holes this season. And I felt like even the holes that I liked the most, like Parkade, looked amazing. But like I said earlier, it's weird that the putting part of it was really random. And if someone would have got a hole in one on that, that would have just been like a really weird and kind of unfair feeling. Like, oh, it just came out of pipe and went in. At least with Uranus last year, there was a channel and there was some chance and it felt faded. I mean, if you've watched the show for a while, and maybe it was different than Parkade, when it comes to those pipes, it's usually like a random person underneath the stage just kind of popping the ball out. And that feels like a weird way for someone to win. But let's take a look at the future of Holy Moly and kind of what we're hoping. And what we do know is that season four was filmed last year during COVID. So they're going to be splicing an audience, folks, again. And it's going to probably have a similar vibe. 
I'm not sure what they'll do with Curry or if he'll have him interacting with people. The other thing that we do know so far is there's been no word on additional filming of Any Holy Moly, probably waiting on things to settle down related to COVID, given the high volume of people between the production, the audience, and competitors on the set. There's going to be a little bit of time before they play more Holy Moly, and there's a lot of things we'd like to see. And for those of you that are looking forward to season four, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert if you didn't catch it. We do know that there will be a handful of new holes, probably foot wedge, which we don't know what it is, but it looked like a big foot, and something called the whole truth that'll be in season four. We're probably going to see a lot of the holes recycled, and I think we're going to see Polcano if I watch some of the beginning establishing shots right. I don't know. For our hopes, one of the things I said was... Maybe you're thinking about this with our podcast, but hoping it's quicker. We have 10 (laughs) episodes. Maybe they can finish in two months instead of three and really kind of like build it up, allow you to follow the characters and personalities, maybe do some more of the social media where you really kind of follow someone around, get backstop and or get backstory and lots of behind the scenes stuff, I think could be good. But I don't know, make me more attached to the people that are on the show in a shorter period of time, I think is what I want. Yeah. And it's tough to say like, well, what do I want for season four, knowing that they already filmed it and it's probably going to be close to more of the same. But if I'm thinking kind of beyond that, I really liked the one time they did the themed episode around the bachelor. And I think if they did a season that was like that, especially if they did something like that was all pro athletes or all, you know, D list celebrities, like let's not put Steve Gutenberg, like let's like on the side, like let's put him on the course. You know, what was that old show was, uh, oh man, police Academy. No, not the, no, there used to be a sports show that had the celebrities doing like oh, the battle of the cele- network stars. Battles, yes. That battle, like make it battle of network stars style. Like yeah. go, go that throwback. Um, I think it needs a, a bit of spice like that. Not that the yeah. regular people aren't great, but like it's kind of hit that point where you need to change it, like bring the audience back in so that you can go back out to the regular folks as well. Um, I was also thinking that there could be something they do with the stylistic in terms of the winners of the episodes are changing up that format. I don't know if there's something that's more like, like almost like a gauntlet, like somebody wins the first episode and then they got to play more people in the second episode, almost like a Jeopardy, like they keep going until somebody beats them sort mm. of thing. So maybe there's like a style there where you could build up more of that social, like three episodes in, this dude is like undefeated. Like, can he go? And maybe there's money, right? Like, I mean, that's I a like half-assed that. idea there, but um, th- there could be something you I'd could watch. do just to kind of change that up. Yeah. I would totally watch that. That's a great idea. I mean, if you went week to week and maybe you give, maybe give the episode winner a first week buy or first round buy in the next week and you're just like, can they be beat? I think people would follow that. I think it'd be super intriguing. And I think the final thing that our hope is, is make all the seasons available on Hulu or maybe Disney Plus. I didn't even realize until this weekend when someone's like, oh, I love Holy Moly. And I was just like, oh yeah, I'd like a friend on season two and me and a bunch of people and my wife were on season one. They're like, oh, you were? Where can I find it? You can't. I thought you could still find season two. You can't. All there is is season three. They have an Australian season. Throw them all up on a streaming service. I don't understand why it's not up there. It feels like they're missing an opportunity to connect the history of the show. And I'm not sure why. 
I'm sure they'll all be available again at some point when it eventually, like every show, gets canceled. I don't know. Get it up. Put it on Hulu. Even though I only have like one minute in my episode, I still want it there. I'm with William Shatner and Steph Curry's in my episode. Come on. Amen to that. I would like nothing more than be able to show people my episode without, you know, potentially bootlegging something that, you know, all the media people who are listening to this, you totally didn't hear me say. You can find my one minute of fame on my Instagram page. It's all there. But before I get myself in too much trouble, let's just jump right into uh, our final parting thoughts with big thoughts. Mini golf. What I love about the game is that there are endless possibilities for creative gameplay. In the past few months, I've seen courses with holes that have possibility for a zero or even negative strokes for making a high risk reward shot. Sure, it may defy convention, but in a miniature golf world filled with balls tracked by RFID sensors, mechanical creatures, oversized castles, and 120 feet long real grass putting greens, these unique scoring opportunities are right at home and provide a way for the game to distinguish itself even more from traditional golf. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, put one ready.